Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast episode. This is a place where I talk about health and wellness and nutrition and all different types of biohacks and different things that I am into. I typically have guests on my podcast and I interview a wide variety of people to hear about their own healing journeys and their own health health journeys and really what they've been through to get them to the point where they're at today. Starting in April, I'm actually increasing to two episodes a week. And one episode will be about things that I personally want to share. So things about my own health journey, question and answers from my social media accounts, ask me anything, just things like that, you know, relevant to what's kind of happening in the world and happening online. And then my second episode a week will be an interview with an expert and a guest. And so I'm excited to kind of branch into more content and bring you more content because I think it's well due at this point. I've had my podcast for multiple years and I've always wanted to bring on a second episode. I just didn't have the bandwidth. So now I am at a point where I do have the bandwidth and I'm excited to do that. And I'm also excited to just, yeah, really explore health and wellness with you in more detail and with a lot of intention is the point that I'm at right now. So I, you know, I'm recording this before I leave for Costa Rica, but by the time you listen to this, I will be in Costa Rica. I am going for three weeks. I'm actually getting married and I'm doing my honeymoon there. And I am going to do a full podcast episode on wedding wellness. And I thought about recording it before I left or before I leave this weekend. However, I actually think it's going to be more helpful to do it post-wedding and post-the-trip, just because I'm curious to see how things kind of actually play out for the day. And so I'm going to do a full episode on it for everything from facials to fitness routine to tanner, self-tanner to teeth whitening to the IVs that I've done, supplements, things like that. And so... I just want to I want to do a full brief debrief of with you on everything I've done. I actually created my my wedding wellness checklist on my phone and I created it a year ago. So when I booked this date to get married, I w- that was about the time that I created this checklist of things that I wanted to do in order to look my best and feel my best and because I knew like it would require a lot of planning and a lot of time. So things like teeth whiteners, like I, you know, went through my dentist, I had to book the appointment, I had to get all of the stuff that I needed for it. You couldn't do it every single day, like et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there's actually quite a lot of planning involved. And I'm excited to dive into that. So stay tuned in April. I'm going to release an episode on that as well as many other things that I'm into and doing. And if you don't follow me already, please follow me on Instagram at biohackingbrittany. This is the most like active account that I'm on. I'm also on TikTok at biohacking. I'm on, oh my gosh, I think I'm on everything. But yeah, TikTok kind of just like grows by itself. I don't necessarily put a look too much time into it right now, but I am very active on Instagram. So reach out to me and you can follow my journey as I explore Costa Rica as well as the blue zone area. I'm actually getting married in a blue zone. So this is the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. And it's cool because blue zones have this five in the world and it has the most centenarians, right? So has the highest amount of people who live beyond 100 years old. And there's a lot of questions about this. So like, why does this happen? And yeah, I, I went there last year, but I'm, I'm excited to go back this year and, and spend more time there. So yeah, if you want to see me go through and I'm going to do some actual health things when I'm in Costa Rica as well. So I'm doing like a coffee tour, a chocolate tour, stuff in the forest as well, and just a lot of exploring and nature time. I'm very, very excited to unplug and just kind of, yeah, reset. I need like a mental and a physical reset and emotional and spiritual on every single level. (laughs) I think I need a reset, but I'm really excited for it. So that is definitely coming. So enjoy this podcast this week. 
it's all about genes and epigenetics. So I am not a epigenetics expert, as you can tell in this podcast episode. I'm always learning from my guests and I'm always learning from my experts that I bring on and they know more than I do. And I really do enjoy learning from them. And this week is the exact same. So we dive a little bit into my genes, not a lot. And we talk a lot about epigenetics and what you can do to activate genes and how to reverse epigenetics and all sorts of things. We talk about supplements and food and like DNA and the blueprint. And yeah, it was a quite insightful episode. So I think you're definitely going to enjoy this one. A quick shout out to the sponsor of this week, Bioptimizers. I, you know, as I talked about last week, I am using the, right now I'm using their probiotics, their digestive enzymes, and their magnesium while I travel. And it's interesting because I'm taking a lot less supplements with me traveling than I thought I would, but these three are a must for very obvious reasons, like to support the immune system, to support healthy bowel movements and stress and anxiety around the wedding. Not that I even really feel stressed, to be honest, but still. And then also just to help digest food better and reduce the burden of eating more food or different types of food that I normally do. So those are what I'm bringing with me. Bioptimizers is easily one of my favorite companies in the biohacking space. And I will always, <laughs> I will probably always use their products and recommend them. So definitely check them out if you are looking for anything like that. They also have a fantastic sleep product that is new, that's out, and it's precursors to melatonin. So it's not melatonin itself, which is really nice and super holistic in nature. So it, it works in a very, very different way than just you taking straight melatonin. So definitely check that out. That's Bioptimizers. I will link it in the show notes. It's also on my website. And you can also just message me on Instagram as well if you want the link, the direct link yourself. So enjoy this episode and stay tuned for another episode next week when I talk about my wedding and all sorts of things like that. And again, if you want to follow my journey right now and you're not already, you can follow me on Instagram at biohackingbrittany. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited that you are listening this week. I am diving into epigenetics and just genetics in general this week. And this is definitely a topic that I think I know a little bit about, but it's not my area of expertise. And yeah, I think it's such a growing field. So I wanted to bring on somebody who this is their area of expertise. They can educate us and also potentially look at my genetics, see what mine say and like how that might influence my decisions and my health. So today on the podcast is Bronte. She is known as the gene hacker, which I love. She is a functional registered dietitian and she's certified in nutrigenomics. But yeah, we're mostly going to get into epigenetics. And so Bronte, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Brittany. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I think one of the most important things is explaining to people what epigenetics is in the first place. I think it's kind of becoming a buzzword, but I think not everybody understands it. So how do you typically explain it? Yeah, that's a great question. I first like to explain what genes are before getting into what epigenetics is because it builds the foundation. So I like to look at genes as the key to your genius. And why I say that is because it gives you the education information to give you that empowerment to learn how to be your healthiest self. So when talking about a gene, it's a distinct stretch of DNA, which is inherited genetic material that determines something about who you are. So it's basically, they, it manages the orchestra of life because genes produce proteins and proteins are the fabric of your body. So proteins, they build bone, they build muscle and hormones. So when it comes down to our gene blueprint, we basically have 99% identical genes between you and I and everyone else. What makes us different are those 
what I like to call SNPs. So it stands for single nucleotide polymorphisms. So what happens is that when our cells replicate, there are many opportunities for those gene errors to create SNPs. So that's what you see in genomic tests are those different varieties. What's great about genes is they do have some little flexibility, and that's how we get into epigenetics. So your gene material tells you how your body operates. It looks at just the different pictures, but epigenetics, I like to look at it as what your body loves and hates. So epigenetics are what is on top of the gene, but it can change the expression of the gene. It can turn genes on and off because it's a chemical compound that can, depending on your behaviors, what you eat, what your environment looks like, it can change how that gene is expressed. So your genes cannot be changed. Once you have your genes, they're said and done, but how they're expressing themselves can be changed. So that's what's powerful about epigenetics is that we used to think that the genes that we had were set in stone. We couldn't do anything about it. Now we have more information that we know we can be holding the steering wheel of our health now that we know we can take control of whether those genes are going to impact us or not. Yeah. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. I like to think of it as, you know, like when I had my DNA tested, it was very, it's very insightful, but it's also just like the blueprint, right? It's kind of like the starting point of like, Hey, this is what you're dealing with. And, and this could be potential outcomes because like some of the, some of the parts of my DNA test was like, showed that I might be like, more susceptible to certain things and less susceptible to other things. So it's helpful in a way to do these types of tests. Absolutely. But it's definitely not like your fate, right? Like it's not like, Hey, this is what's going to happen to you in 50 years, no matter what, like it is not like that at all. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Exactly. And I love using gene or genomic testing for individuals too that have certain symptoms or health issues that they've been experiencing and they've just been around the block and not knowing what is going on. They've been to a physician after physician or some healthcare professional and they're just not getting the answers. So genes, they can be really helpful because it is part of your biochemistry. It does play a huge role in how your enzymes work. Like I said, they build proteins. So it's really helpful to see what your biochemistry looks like. It kind of gives you that magnifying glass to see what's going on because you can get blood work, right? That shows you some markers of where you're at now, but sometimes you don't know why in that blood work it might be high or low or why it's acting the way it is. So that's why I think it's helpful to get a gene test if you're either just wanting to optimize your health or just trying to find those solutions. Yeah, exactly. So can epigenetic changes be inherited across generations? They can. So what has been fascinating is there is factors that can impact gene expression. And there has been a lot of research done on social background So what research is finding is the impact of the social environment, which you're in, is going to play a role in the gene expression. So it plays an important part of your health, maybe more so than the food and environment we're exposed to. So what that means when I talk about the social environment, it can be looking at how we are socially integrated, how we're connected socially our family connections, looking at the relationships we have, whether they even were violent or estranged environment, and even bullying. So that can play a dramatic role in the gene expression. And it has been shown to carry down into the next generations, not necessarily from parent to child, but the next generations to come. So it's really important to just be aware 
of your, if you do have children of their surroundings and being aware of that, not even just in the home, but also if they are going to school because bullying plays a role and you can change those expressions, like I said. So even though that does play an impact on someone's health, you can change them. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I wanted to definitely talk about like the role epigenetics can play in shaping our personality. And it's interesting that that can even pass on through generations. Yeah, what they have found is that a lot of individuals that were bullied or were in social isolation, weren't really in the best environment, the genes that were turned on were the pro-inflammatory responses and cytokines. So those are what most people may have a little bit more information is TNF-alpha. I don't know if you've heard of that or NF-kappa-B. There's other genes involved, but those are kind of like the pathway that turn on inflammation and also add fire to the inflammation. So they've seen those have been turned on for individuals as well as ones that were turned off or not expressing were those antiviral immune responses to genes. So it's very fascinating in that research, they were able to see that those type of individuals were experiencing more inflammation. Yeah, absolutely. And can you then turn that off? Can epigenetics be reversed, I guess, in a way? Yeah, there's, I find that with certain tools, you can help with those expressions. There is a lot of shamanic tools out there that kind of help with shadow work or even just tools to help lowering stress with breathing techniques depending on what it is for the individual, just kind of calming down that stress response. I feel like rewiring the brain patterns is the first place to start because you can add on nutrition or supplementation. But if you're still dealing with a lot of the high stress flight or flight, it's not going to do as much. But I think that's a great place to start. And then of course, adding on those nutrition tools that help with inflammation is going to be helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what are the typical like strategies or interventions that you use with your clients in promoting healthy epigenetic patterns? Yeah, it really depends on the individual. So I like to ask what their story is. I don't look at just the gene report. You have to look at the entire picture of where they came from, what they're currently going through, and just seeing all of it. Because you can't just only look at genes and say, hey, these are the interventions you need to do based on these genes without knowing the individual. So it's a little bit of digging on my end. That's why it's really helpful to have a provider on the other end of a gene report because We're looking at all different sectors. We're not just looking at the report itself. So I would say the biggest one that most individuals, probably every individual, let's be honest, can benefit are including those nutrition tools that help mitigate inflammation. So this is called the NRF2 pathway. It's not a gene, but it helps turn on other genes. So it's a pathway that really turns on those inner antioxidants that your body creates, endogenous. And then also it's going to help with kind of lowering that oxidative stress. So those tools would be certain ingredients that have been studied to have a lot of benefits. And that would be cruciferous vegetables, alliums. And so when I'm talking about cruciferous and alliums, cruciferous would be those leafy greens in the brassica family. So thinking of broccoli, cauliflower, bok choy, wasabi, radishes, and then alliums would be your garlic, leeks, onion. And there's a lot of different foods too that fall into that category. There's different berries in there. There's going to be 
quercetin. There's a lot of different foods. So depending on the individual and what they enjoy eating or are willing to try, that is the first place to start with them as well as looking at their gut health. There's a lot of individuals that struggle with their gut health. So I find that those have been the two areas of interventions that I have found most in my practice. Nice. I like that a lot. Yeah. I see a lot now and I'm sure you do as well in terms of the biohacking world and the longevity world. There's a lot of supplement companies coming out with resveratrol and quercetin and like, I forget the actual name of it. I think it's like sulfurine or something that comes from broccoli sprouts. And so it's so interesting to see just how popular it's becoming, like everything that you just mentioned in terms of supplement form for this very reason, because of it impacting that functional pathway. And so many people learning about epigenetics and being so concerned and into longevity at this point. So how do you, and I don't know if you know this or have any research or have seen this with your clients, but do you recommend supplements of these ingredients separately? Or do you think like food is enough? Or do you think both is the right approach? Like what what do you where do you stand? I for myself, I need both. Food is always a great place to start and to go there first. Because with supplementation, you do have possible interactions with different supplements you want to be aware of. You can also take it too far. For example, fish oil, you don't want to just, not everyone needs fish oil. So it's really good to have supplements that are catered to you. You don't want to just add on a ton of supplements because you have no idea how it's interacting with your biochemistry. And for me, for example, why I add on supplementation is I've done blood work to see if I had optimal levels just by food. And that just wasn't the case. So it just really depends on the individual, of course, where you live too. I will have to say that if I were to live maybe in Peru or somewhere else, I would bet you that my nutrient profile would be a lot better than here in the US just based on growing practices. Also, they're eating foods that are local that were probably picked either that day or the day before. So they're they're just ripe when they're being brought to wherever they're going to buy that produce. So just depending on where you live, what your eating style, if behaviors, depending on some people might fast, right? So it's going to be a lot more difficult to get in a lot of nutrients if you fast. So it really depends, I think, on the individual. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, like you said, like I'm in Canada and you know, I wish our like farming practices were better, but they're not. The soil is quite depleted and there's a lot of monocropping. There's a lot of pesticides and GMO and things like that. Mind you, like obviously you can get organic produce, but it is not as accessible for everybody. It's more expensive, et cetera. Um, and so it makes it tough. And so I think there is a role of these nutrients in supplement form. I think they can be really helpful. But like you said, like it really does depend on where you live. Like I am going to Costa Rica this weekend and we're going for a month and a bunch of my supplements I'm not bringing because I know that my food is going to change so much there. So for example, like you were talking about with the omegas, like the last time I went to Costa Rica, I had seafood once or twice a day. So why would I bring omegas with me when I'm about to have so much seafood? Same with like iodine, things like that. So I think it's understanding that and having a general understanding of nutrition and the role of micronutrients in nutrition. But a lot of people just don't have that understanding, which is obviously fine. That's not their area of expertise. And so they kind of lean on supplements as, I don't want to say like a quick fix, but kind of like, I'm just going to take this thing and now I don't have to worry about it type of thing. But there's a lot more... I think there's a lot more power and there's a lot more success when you work with someone like yourself who says like, okay, let's actually debrief and like, let's talk about you and your health from a very holistic level. 
And then let's see what supplements you need. And you don't necessarily need to be just taking everything that you see promoted to you and like think you're doing the right thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is helpful to work with someone that knows a little bit more about that. I always, even myself too, I've worked with functional medicine providers as well, just to help provide that support, maybe see a different view on things. So it's always helpful to work with someone else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually looking at studying functional medicine this year, later this year, because I think like I, you know, I study nutrition and it's great, but I think that there's so much more than that. And I love what functional medicine does by looking at the different pathways in the body, looking at the root cause of issues. And it's just kind of needed at this point. Like we just need more personalized health plans. And that's kind of like how you work with your clients, right? It's very like in a personalized way. Stress is a common factor that affects everyone in today's fast-paced world, leading to various health issues, including heart problems, inflammation, obesity, and mental illness. While most people focus on finding relief through meditation or trips to the spa, what if the root cause of stress is actually a deficiency in a key nutrient? Introducing Magnesium Breakthrough, the ultimate magnesium supplement that offers the full spectrum of all seven types of magnesium specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body for maximum health benefits. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could be causing a multitude of health problems. But what sets magnesium breakthrough apart is its ability to impact the release of stress hormones like cortisol and block the activity of more stimulating neurotransmitters, leading to a more peaceful and resting state. This means that this supplement acts like a break on your body's nervous system, helping to calm and soothe, promoting a better quality of life. Simply go to magbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany to get 10% off magnesium breakthrough with the discount code biohackingbrittany. And for a limited time only, if you buy three bottles, you get an exciting gift with your purchase, which is blue light blocking glasses. This is a limited time offer for select orders. So don't wait. Go right now to magbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany and use my discount code biohackingbrittany at checkout. This will be linked in the show notes and on my website as well. It is exactly. And I am also in a functional medicine course. It's a program, but it was going to be two years, but now it's turned to four years. So I've been in it for three years now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) There's just a lot more new research. So it can be overwhelming, but it's also very beneficial. Nice. Nice. Which program are you taking? It's called Next Level Functional Nutrition by Susan Allen. That's the program. I'm going to look that up. Because I have been looking at multiple programs and schools and institutes and stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to find the right one for me. But that one sounds pretty good. It is. Yep. It, she puts a lot in there, lots of research, but it also depends on your learning style too. There's going to be people that are better at presenting information than others. So yes, yes, this is very true. I think it's cool to see how many courses and programs are really popping up around this as more education I definitely think is needed for people and more practitioners are actually needed. Like that's really what the issue is. Is like I looked at getting a functional medicine doctor here in Vancouver in Canada. And I think in Vancouver, there's like three (laughs) out of, so it's really limited. There's not a lot of people who understand what functional medicine, but it's, it's definitely, there are people paving the way and like you know, there's more and more people learning about this, but like, I'm just curious, what kind of attracted you to functional medicine in your own career? So epigenetics is part of functional medicine and by trade, right? I'm a dietitian and you go through an internship after your bachelor's and now it's actually different. Now you have to get your master's as well, (laughs) but During that time, I just had to get my bachelor's and we had to do a self-select piece in our internship. So that meant we can choose where we wanted 
to go where we, what we wanted to learn more of. And her name is Amanda Archibald. She is the founder of the Genomic Kitchen. So she actually was looking for interns from the program or the dietetic internship I was in. And it was to help her with social media and whatnot. But I was just really fascinated by her work. And so I gave it a go and I got to learn a lot from her. So she is actually the one that introduced me to epigenetics. So I'm very thankful for her. I was able to be by her side for six years and learned a lot from her. And so I just wanted to go a little bit deeper because I knew that this was really helpful for people. And she was also talking about functional medicine because that's just part of it with epigenetics. It's getting to the root cause. And so then I was ready to kind of take the next step to learn a little bit more. So that's what got me into that space. I felt like if it wasn't for her looking for interns, I I don't know if I'd be here or not because it wasn't something that was taught in school. It wasn't something that I was 100% aware of. So I'm really thankful for how it just kind of fell to my fell on my lap. <laughs> so it's funny how that happens, eh? You kind of yeah, one thing leads to the next and then you're doing a career switch or like going into some sort of some sort of specialty. And I think it's very meant to be when things kind of play out like that. And that's really exciting. So I'm curious, I am like slowly moving, well, I don't know if it's slowly, but more into like the female health space and especially like female biohacking, optimizing female health type of idea. And I'm curious if you've seen any type of patterns in terms of epigenetics with female health, whether that's like menstrual health, fertility, even menopause, anything like that, like has there been any key findings where you're like, wow, this is really important for women to understand? I think it's really helpful, especially for women's hormones and seeing that entire picture. There's just so much involved. So I hear a lot of times women that have really heavy periods or terrible cramps. And a lot of times they're given birth control pills to help with that. So it's not quite looking at the entire picture of what's going on with their health. And so what I have found with epigenetics or with the genomic testing is it helps us look at the upstream approach, getting to the root cause. And so I don't necessarily look at the hormone detoxing first. You have to kind of go a little bit more upstream than that. So you want to look at inflammation. You want to look at detoxification and methylation. A lot of people don't know what that is. So it's methylation's the heartbeat of all cycles. It's if you think about it, like a car, all the gears have to work together. So methylation is that gear that's turning all the other cycles to work together. And it helps with energy. It helps with detoxification. It also helps with cancer cells and helping gate that. So it just helps with a lot of different functions. So that's what methylation is. So you want to look at all of those before going into the hormones. And so I feel like with a lot of women that might be going through some difficulties with their hormones, I've seen a lot of glutathione, those genes that are involved with that, or sometimes you even see the certain pathways that their body is more prone towards going to. So there's stable estrogens and then there's non-stable estrogens that can cause oxidative stress. So I've just seen that those are some common areas to look at, but usually if someone is dealing with methylation, you'll see both detox and methylation kind of lit up where there's a lot of gene SNPs there. So I, you know, it's always different, but for women, that's 
typically where I like to look at if they are experiencing any hormone difficulties. Yeah, I love that. I know for my own genes, I have some of those for methylation. And I would I would guess that like people probably have a little bit, obviously sometimes there's more variations than there are for other people. But so say somebody gets their genes done and they take a look and they see that methylation may be of concern for them. Do you have specific recommendations for that? Or like, where can they start in order to kind of support those genes? Yeah. So a lot of times people, when they think of methylation, they think of MTHFR. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot more involved in methylation with your genes. If just to name a, a couple, which you don't have to memorize these or know what they are, but just to give you an idea, there's MTR, MTRR, another one's called COMPT, MTR, there's another one that's called NQ01, there's another called PEMT. So there's just a lot of different genes that are involved with this pathway. So you want to look at the overall picture. But a lot of times, there is a common MTHFR, which we all have MTHFR. It's just looking at what allele you have and how effective it is. So there's two MTHFR genes that I look at, and you can combine the two together to kind of see the overall effect of the enzyme to convert. So let's say if someone has an MTHFR gene that predisposes them to having difficulties with converting to methylfolate. We might want to first, if they are interested, get blood work because you don't want to just put on someone on a methylfolate if their levels are good because you don't want to overmethylate someone. If they are interested in getting blood work, that's where I would start just to look at their entire B vitamin profile. But if for some reason they're not interested and they are showing signs, of course, too, let's say sluggish, brain fog, having a hard time sleeping, maybe also experiencing some gut issues. I would start with a slow dose of methylfolate just to see how they respond to it and go slow and continue to titrate up because if you're going too hard at once, for someone that doesn't need a whole lot of methylfolate, it can cause more anxiety. So you just want to kind of start slow and go from there. And of course, if they do have gut issues, also helping with that as well, because that's going to help with producing B vitamins and also absorbing those nutrients. So yeah, it really just depends. But I feel like starting with looking at ensure enough folate too in their diet is going to be helpful looking if they do need that extra supplementation. And when it's looking at comp, you want to look at magnesium and things like that. So there's just a lot of information that's on board, but typically that's a great place to start is just looking at what their nutrition status is with those genes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I am looking at my gene report now They definitely, this company that I did it with a few years ago, they did look at methylation. I think I sent this report to you. I'm assuming this was what I sent you. But yeah, so like you said, so even just talking about like MTHFR, like there are, you know, two different ones for that, right? So there's two different genes that you could have. And so looking at my report, I have one normal and one variation, which kind of puts me in the middle, which is, you know, not terrible, but not great. So for me, like when I first saw this report and understood this, it definitely made me like reconsider things like the obvious, like B vitamins, right? Like what type of B vitamins am I taking? They need to be methylated for, so that I can absorb them better. Also just focusing on like folate rich foods and that type of thing, especially for that. And then what I found was really interesting, I'm just trying to find it, was, I think it was the... The MTR. I'm just, this report is so long. This is like kind of the problem when you get your DNA done is like the reports that they send you, man, like for the average consumer, it's just like a lot. It's it's really a lot. 
you had the MTR that was moderate. Like I would say it wasn't a high one I would look at, but you also had MTRR, which was a little bit on the, okay, we need to pay attention here. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're right. So it was the MTRR one that I was trying to find. So this one this is how efficiently you methylate cobalium, which is vitamin B12 to methyl, methyl cobalium. And I've always taken methylated B vitamins like for years and years and years. But this report was like, it showed me that I should actually be taking, I think it's called a Denzel. I don't know where it is. It's in my supplement drawer, but a Denzel B12, vitamin B12. Does that sound correct to you? I'd have to look at the report again, <laughs> to be honest. But-, but yeah, essentially, like I think the gist is that it showed me that even though I was taking methylated vitamins, B vitamins, I can still take something that's even better that I'm going to respond better to. And it's like most activated form, which is this other form of B12 that I'm talking about. So I think when people do these types of reports, it's like, yes, it sends you 50 pages, 100 pages, whatever it might be. But it's like when you go through it or you work with somebody like yourself and really understand it, then you can make these like simple decisions of buying a better form of B vitamins so that you absorb it and it actually works better in your body compared to just like buying what you were normally buying, which is really like, I don't know, like that's such an easy upgrade to do when you really look at all of the different things that you could do for your epigenetics is like, just switching the form of vitamins, but how are you going to know what type of form of vitamins are best for you if you don't like do a test like this? It's very long winded, <laughs> but I got to, I got to my point. <laughs> yeah, that, that's where it can be helpful with these tests. It can help show which one is going to be more geared, and then of course. I've seen that you've also tested your blood levels, which is good to see if the supplementation is working and adjusting if you need to take it every day or every so often. So that's where the blood work comes in. It can just be helpful to see, okay, is this actually working with my body? Exactly. So when you did, and like, I'm not sure if you've done multiple tests yourself, but when you were going through your own genes and variations for the first time, Was there anything that kind of surprised you or stood out to you that you didn't necessarily expect? That's a good question. I've had two tests done because when I started in this field, it was a sports genomics workshop. So it was mostly towards sports performance. And now I've done another report that was an entire profile. And there's even another genomic testing that is can go even more in depth if you want to look at your brain health and your emotions. So I could go even further if I wanted to, but I feel like what came kind of an aha is I had, I don't know if it surprised me, but just more aha moments are when I first got the testing done, I had a ACL reconstruction. And it actually showed in my genes that I'm more prone to knee injuries. And so that kind of gave me an aha is just, I'm not building enough collagen. So I just have to be a little bit more mindful of the type of movement I'm doing. I have a dance background. So that's actually what (laughs) led me towards (laughs) knee injury. So I just have to be more mindful of not doing a whole lot of jumps and turns and things like that. And also just supporting rest days and making sure that I'm getting optimal amount of rest. And also after exercise to make sure that I'm giving my body the right nutrients after exercise, because exercise does create inflammation. And so I just, which is helpful, but you don't want it to continue to go after exercise if you did a really hard workout and you just don't want to have your body kind of in that high stress the entire day. So having nutrients afterwards is also helpful for me, especially. So that was kind of some ahas. I also saw some areas where I've gone through periods of disordered eating. I went through periods of going vegan 
and then becoming really restrictive and binge eating and things like that through college. And so that also showed up in my genes was that I did have some genes that were related to addictions to food, like having those cravings or binging. So that was some aha. And then the last one is just my struggles with acne. I've had that since 21, I believe. So that kind of gave some aha moments for me too, is that I did have a lot of gene SNPs, gene variants in detox, methylation, which trickled down into female hormones. So those are just some aha pictures because acne can be caused by so many things, right? So it was helpful to see that and really help me navigate what's going to be helpful for me in living the best life that I want to be in. So I would say those were the three biggest factors I've got from it. But sometimes it could be surprising for people because they're seeing genes, but it's not necessarily playing a role in their health. And that's because of epigenetics. So just because you have those genes doesn't mean they're expressing themselves. Exactly. That's exactly it. It's like we said at the beginning, it's like, it's a blueprint and it's helpful to know, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah. Like when I did my report, I, the report I did looked at brain health and different things like that. And some of it was really helpful, to be honest. Like some of it was like, I'm not as prone to depression or things like that. And it's kind of like, I've seen it in my dad. And so I kind of was like, okay, maybe I'm going to be predisposed to that through because of him. So it was nice to know, like, I don't have any genes necessarily that are in the favor of that. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to ever have depression in my entire life, <laughs> right? Like it, you really have to, it's kind of nice to know that, but it it doesn't it doesn't mean that. And if it was reversed, like I was really like disposed or predisposed to depression, like it doesn't mean that that's going to happen either. So I also think, and I remember feeling this as well, is like when I was first doing my genetic test, I was actually kind of nervous to get the results back because of these types of discussions of like oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to be predisposed to depression or cancer or whatever it is. And what I say to that is like, first of all, no one has perfect genes. So everybody is going to be somewhat predisposed to something. And secondly, like, I think there is power in information and like, yeah, it, you might not have optimal results for certain things, but at least now, you know, and you can do something about it, right? Like you can say, okay, I am predisposed to depression. Okay. So I'm going to really focus on getting enough sunlight every day and exercise and watching my mental health more. So I I do think there is power in knowing, even if it kind of sucks in the beginning when you first find out. Yeah. And it's also powerful because it reduces the noise of what you're seeing online on social media of what people are doing for their health. It's, being more catered to you. So you're able to follow tips or instructions or supplementation or diet that's based on you and you alone instead of, Hey, they're, they've done this. This has worked out for them. Let me try it. And you end up trying all these different things and it's, it can be a little chaotic sometimes. Absolutely. So if you have any, like, I like to ask this question, I mean, I ask it in different ways, but in the next five, 10 years, where do you see health and wellness and maybe even biohacking going? Like, do you have any predictions or do you have anything that you would like to see happen? I've known that in the last couple of years, nutrigenomics has become more used and also been, there's just been a lot of research in that area. So I would hope that personally, that just this type of information is going to be more accessible to people where they can get a DNA test if they choose to without having to think of and evaluate the cost of it, right? I just, I feel like that would be most helpful in the next couple of years. And just that there's probably just 
going to be more science around this and new tools that are going to be helpful for people. So who knows what's going to happen <laughs> next couple years, but I'm, I'm just hoping that it's just going to be more accessible to people and new tools out there for people to use. Yeah, I actually really agree with that. I think the barrier to entry is going to be lowered in terms of, I think these types of services and even products, whatever you want to call them, I think they're going to be more accessible to more people across the globe. And I think they are, because of that, I think they are going to become cheaper and then more and more people can afford them. Because right now, like I'm not sure about in the States, but in Canada to get your genes tested, like this test that I did, I think it was like $600 Canadian. Oh my right? gosh. So like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's expensive. It's not because they come to your house, they take your blood, they do the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. And like, they, they sent me four different reports. There was, I don't know how many genes they tested. I'm sure it's on their website. And so it, it's expensive. And I worked with this company, so I actually didn't pay for this out of pocket. And I don't know if I would pay for it out of pocket, maybe, but for the average person spending this type of money on one test, I mean, I think the good thing about it is, is like, once you've done it, you've done it for life, like your genes <laughs> don't change. So it's, it's not like you have to do it in another 10 years, but I agree with you. I would love to see it more accessible for people so they can take more control over their health. Right. Yeah, just to give you some idea too, when I stepped into this space, when I did the sports genomics, it was just a profile on sports, right? How you would do with exercise and whatnot. And that was 300 and an entire panel was probably in the thousands. Now the profile that I've done, that's the entire profile is 300. So that's been since 2016 to now. So I'm seeing a little bit more drop in pricing. So I'm thinking that I'll continue to drop. Yeah, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that. Because again, I just think people need answers. And I think there's so much power in testing and not guessing like we've talked about. So I I think that's really important. If people want to work with you and really dive deep into their genetics and epigenetics, how can they do that? So I'm on both Instagram and TikTok at at, uh, the Gene Hacker. And then I also have my website too. That's thegenehacker.com. They can find me there. That's probably the easiest just to contact me and just slip into my DMs and I'll get back to you. Perfect. Yeah. I will link that in the show notes and on my website so people can find you easily and work with you because I'm sure they'll want to and especially if they want to dive deep into this type of thing. But thank you so much for coming on my show. This was great. It was awesome to connect with you. Yeah, it was great chatting with you as well. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.